Hi, I'm Caitlin. Hi, I'm Rebecca. We're not from Memphis, but we love it. Welcome to Memphis Type History, the podcast. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Rebecca. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. It's cold. Oh, it is. <laughs> I know. We're supposed to have an, an ice storm tomorrow. Of course, this is like old news by the time people hear that. Yeah. And and by the time people hear it, they'll know whether it actually happened or not. That's true, because this episode is actually going to air next month in honor of Black History Month. Yeah. Every episode in the month of February will be in tribute to some pretty fascinating black history that we find. Yeah. I think for me, once I got out of school, it's like you're not focusing on Black History Month in the same way. So it's been fun this month for the podcast to go back to school, research, and learn about some pieces of black history in Memphis. Yeah, we should do get some posters and do collages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a final and project a at the end of our month. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Put it in our hallway somewhere. Yeah, I've been I've been enjoying this one, and I'm excited to hear your research project for today. Okay. Well, <laughs> today we're going to learn a little bit about Robert Reed Church. Cool. And there's a lot about him. Like, it, it's pretty fascinating what he did, and we'll get into it. So much so that I thought I wanted to start off this podcast with <laughs> another game show reference. I oh, know I'm stuck on the game shows. It's called To Tell the Truth. Yeah, yeah. So four celebrity panelists are presented with three contestants, and they have to identify which is the one that's actually telling the truth about their story. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Okay. So I thought about doing that, but I didn't. Yes. So I don't even know why I brought that up. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But all that to say is, like, there, there a lot happened in this in this man's life, enough that I think he could have done really well on that show okay <laughs> maybe he did show up on that show um All which right. would be awesome so if anybody knows if he showed up on to tell the truth please let us know robbery church was born in holly springs mississippi was that close to your hometown at all no <laughs> greenville no i'm from the mississippi delta it is not close <laughs> okay Holly Springs, Mississippi in 1939. That's when he was born. His father was a white steamboat owner slash captain. So he ran at least a couple of big steamboats. And his mother was one of the father's slaves. Even though his father's white, he's automatically seen as black and he's also a slave. So even though his father didn't treat them like slaves, his mother and him, he still didn't educate him, and he never, like, formally recognized their relationship. I would argue, then, that he did treat them like slaves. <laughs> right, and that's what I... So just I stayed on this whole, just the beginning part for a while. Like, in today's time, I just think, like, somebody would say, I'm half Mexican, or I'm half Asian, or Korean, or something. But back then, it was like, they gave a different, a completely different name for somebody who has a, a white parent and a black parent, and then automatically they're... There's, yeah, they would be treated as a slave. So it didn't matter. I stopped here for a while just thinking about it because I always like to think about how are times different than back then. All right, so Robert Reed Church, his uh, father's a steamboat owner slash captain and his mother's a seamstress. And she died when Robert was only 12 years old, which is kind of sad. Yeah. So his father trained his son in the steamboat business, naturally because that's what he's in. Robert worked as a dishwasher, a cook, and a steward, uh, which was the highest position for a black person. In 1855, one of the boats, or I guess they called them luxury steamers, they, it burned down and sank, 
and him and his father were one of the few that survived, which is kind of crazy. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know so much more about all that stuff now because of that episode that we did. I, uh, the Steamboat before episode? Before Steamboats. Yes. I've thought a lot about that as yeah. I was reading this stuff. Yeah. I want to link up to that in the show notes because it adds more flavor. <laughs> yeah. Let's say that now. If anyone who's interested in learning about the history of Steamboats and just how crazy interesting they are, please go visit our past podcast episode called Steamboats. Yeah. It's Steamboats and the Bluff City, I think. And the Bluff City, which was Memphis type history.com slash steamboats. All right. So the ship sank. And uh, so soon after the American Civil War began, federal forces captured Robert when he served as a steward on the steamer Victoria. So this is a whole other steamer. It's captured by the Union Army. They have him and they drop him off in Memphis. Oh. And that's how he even gets introduced to Memphis. You know, he's been he's been spending his whole time with his dad just from back and forth to New Orleans on the Mississippi. But this is the time, because of the Union Army, this is how he gets introduced to Memphis. Interesting. We can thank him because without him, Memphis honestly probably wouldn't be what it is today. And I'll explain why. Wow. Yeah, it's a big deal. I wasn't sure if you had already known some of the history or not of church, of Robert Church. Uh, I just knew the bare minimum. So I'm going to learn a lot. So he's in Memphis and he begins to establish himself as a successful Memphis businessman. He owns, throughout this time that he's been in Memphis, he's been able to own a saloon, a hotel, a bank, restaurant, park auditorium, along with various real estate investments. He's done, yeah. He's a big part of Memphis. But wait, are you going to tell us how that came to be? I'm going to tell you what those were. But how did he suddenly get all that stuff? Yeah, so I think... <laughs> how did he... Um, how did... He's just a really good... But he's a He really didn't just good get off the boat. He got off the boat and he established himself as a businessman. And I'm pretty certain he starts off in a saloon and... He becomes well-known, so well-known that he was shot and left for dead in his own saloon by a white mob during the race riot of 1866. And he even had, um, he was shot by a sheriff. He just wasn't liked by some people. But I love that that wasn't enough for him to leave Memphis. So he stays in Memphis. And guess what else wasn't enough for him to leave? We're talking about the 1800s and our second worst Waldo of our podcast. The yellow fever. The yellow fever came, yes. And that was not enough for him to leave It's definitely yellow fever and not Elvis for that period of time. Yes. So yellow fever comes. And this is where he really banks in Memphis is because he, at the time he's, he's, was it, he lived inside and outside of the city. And during yellow fever, he bought up a good amount of real estate when all the property values were really low. And so you can guess he already has a, money, has a lot of money. And they don't say how he has a lot of money. My assumption is he just did really well with work, working on the boats and with his family. And then the fact that he had so, such a good skill set, he just brought in a lot of money. And so with that, he invested in a bunch of real estate. Yeah, I guess estate. that makes sense. Like if you can work hard and save enough to get like one thing, mm-hmm. then if you're good at business, you can you could just multiply that one thing, I guess. Yeah. I really want to know like how, like what was his like big start, you yeah. know, but yeah, it was a while ago. So maybe there's no info on that, I guess. You know, it's like the story of like with the $500 from the this, he did the this <laughs> and then it like, you know, it like becomes an empire. Yeah. His, his father gave him $1 bill. And said, go make yeah, it Yeah, those stories. Where's that one? That's the <laughs> yeah. one I want about Robert Church. I could easily make up one, but that 
That no, it's fine. Be. I can't have everything I want. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I've learned. I don't want to that in my people. years on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I try not to mislead the people too, so I won't go there. <laughs> that should be our tagline. I feel like, like our mantra: just trying not to mislead you. I feel like that sums it up perfectly, everything we do. Just trying not to mislead you. Yeah, we're not historians. We're just trying not to mislead people. We're just trying not to mislead you. Don't always succeed, but we're trying. (laughs) Yeah, so everything I read had pretty much the same timeline, and it started with the saloon, but nothing told me how he... Is that like how he first got that Celine? And it, I don't think it was with the $1 bill. I think it, you know, he probably saved up a lot of money and he was smart and a good businessman. Anyway, he invested in real estate, bought a ton. It got to the point when Memphis was reduced to a taxing district. Church was the first citizen to buy a bond for $1,000 to restore the city charter. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he pretty much helped Memphis stay as a city. And so now you can you can definitely guess that this guy has a lot of money. And Robbery Church was recognized as the South's first African-American millionaire. Boom, and that brings us to our show notes link, which is memphistypehistory.com slash millionaire. Yes. <laughs> Not only was he the... South's first African-American millionaire and possibly even the United States' first African-American millionaire. But he's the first millionaire that we're talking about on our podcast. Yeah. I don't think we have been talked. We have talked about a millionaire. Mm -mm. And let me remind you that we're talking about the 1800s. A millionaire in the 1800s. I can't get over that. Yeah. That's like three private jets, a couple yachts, and tennis courts in your backyard and a bowling alley in your basement kind of thing. Yeah. Not the tastes of the 1800s, I think, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we talk about his home? Because he built his home. So let's hear what a millionaire's home would be like. Okay. The home he built for him and his family in the 1800s had 14 rooms. I think that's a big deal. Whoa. Yeah. How big was his family? This is my question to everyone with a big home ever that I hear about is how many people were in their family. That's the first thing. And then the second question is who cleans it? I'm glad you asked that because I wasn't interested in his family, I'm, and I should be. Uh, I was just fascinated <laughs> with this one guy, and I was like, and then everything that talked about his family was like, I, I don't, I don't care about that. I just want to <laughs> read about this guy; he's awesome. But he did. I do know that he was divorced at least once. Um, I got this stuff up right here. Let's see. He married twice, uh, and two children were born to each marriage, so that equals four. But I don't think they all lived in the same house together. If he, if all of his family members lived in the house, it would be seven people. But I, I have a feeling he just wow. lived with his uh, family that he was married to at the time. Man, that's a big house. Do you, yeah. Can you tell me who cleaned it? I don't know that. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> it didn't even talk about how he started the saloon. <laughs> he married Anna Wright in 1885. So that's that. That was his last love. Uh, for a wife, anyway. Um, I'm sure he had other, official, plenty yeah, of loves. Official love, I guess. Yeah. Who knows how his life, personal life was. 
Right. I'm sure it was. I was sure. Well, I don't know. You might know. (laughs) You might know actually what his personal life was like. I don't know. We haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) Yeah. I get the impression because he's like a philanthropist and I bet he was a really, I bet he's a really sweet guy. His 14 room house included a double drawing room, 32 by 16 feet. Do you know what a double drawing room is? Isn't it just a parlor or like maybe it has a piano in it? It's like an entertaining room. It doesn't mean you actually draw in it, right? Isn't it like, it's like, Oh, gentlemen, it's after dinner. Shall we retire to the drawing room? Oh. And the like eligible daughter plays the piano. That's a much better guess than mine. Drawing room. Because I thought it was either a room for two people to draw or a room for two people to like have one of those shoot offs where you like draw your gun. Oh. No, I'm totally messing with you there. Okay. (laughs) This is sounding very uh, exciting. This house. <laughs> Apparently, people still use this term. Double drawing rooms is still being used. It's uh, like a double living room. Oh, okay. Does it usually <laughs> have a piano? Or that no? wasn't near as uh, as thoughtful <laughs> no. as we'd hoped. I feel okay. I feel like a lot of times when I actually Google something, it's kind of a letdown. Well, let's go with your first idea of like let's get to the drawing room thing. Okay. Okay. Because it technically could work for a double living room. So yeah, it had one of those. And mural decorations by a famed Italian artist. Don't ask me who it is because they didn't say. We'll just, you know, it's 1800s, so I'm sure we wouldn't know who it was anyway. Or I wouldn't. And it was one of the first homes of the Queen Anne style erected in Memphis, which is pretty cool. We should look that up and put that in the show notes. That's like very decorative, I think. Yeah, it's three stories. It looks really cool um, when I saw a picture of it. It doesn't exist anymore. It got demolished. It was seized by the city in in the 1930s because the heirs didn't keep up with the taxes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was demolished during the construction of the foot homes in 1941. The address, if anyone wants to kind of look up the area and see what's there now, uh, the address was 363 Lauderdale and it changed to 384 South Lauderdale. So 384 South Lauderdale, if anyone wants to go by there. And contemplate of what this fancy house looked like. Other accomplishments. I looked back into uh, what Robert Church did and owned. He owned a hotel in downtown Memphis. It was on the southwest corner of South 2nd and Gayosa Streets. For all you street fans of Memphis. It was furnished with the best equipment of its day. It was advertised as the only first class colored hotel in the city. So that is Robert Church contribution. And... Most importantly, or the most exciting thing that he did was in 1899, Memphis lacked public parks for black people. So Church bought a tract of land on Beale. He built an auditorium, which seated 2,000 people, and called it Church Park and Auditorium. Wow. Yes. So it's kind of exciting. Like he gets to build a park for black citizens, and it has this... 2,000 people auditorium. It was a cultural, recreational, and civic center for African Americans, and the only of its kind in the entire U.S. It was owned and operated by a person of color for members of his race. And, little fun fact, W.C. Handy was employed as the orchestra leader for the park and auditorium. He's basically the father blues. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. He's been mentioned a few times in our podcast. Yeah. That's a cool connection. That's better than if Elvis showed up. Yeah. No, I think W.C. Handy might be <laughs> our third <laughs> upcoming Where's Waldo. And then moving on to the 1900s, 
Church founded the Solvent Savings Bank and Trust Company, which was the first Black-owned and operated bank in Memphis. Oh. Yeah, that's three. He started the first hotel for Black people, the first park, and... The first bank here in Memphis. And then just because he's just a cool guy, he also sponsored political rallies, graduation ceremonies, and a free Thanksgiving meal every year for Black Memphians in need. That's cool. It's a pretty cool millionaire. And that's it. <laughs> that's how I'm going to end it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I do have a question about something that I know Okay. about him. Okay. Is that a lot of his money was potentially made because he ran a brothel. It wouldn't put it past me. And honestly, that sounds vaguely familiar. And I wonder if that was part of the saloon. Would that make sense? Yeah. Someone told me that a good source to learn more about Robert Church is this book called Beale Street Dynasty. It does include uh, a bit of the life of Robert Church, um, a man who helped make Beale Street the main street of Black America beginning in the 19th century and for several decades to follow. That's what I'm reading here. Yeah, and it goes into much more depth of the story of church. So yeah, we'll put that on our show notes, memphistypehistory.com slash millionaire for anyone who would like to learn a little bit more about this fascinating man of the 1800s. I still can't get over that. Millionaire of the 1800s. Yeah, that's so cool. And survived a sinking ship that was on fire and gunshot wounds in two different locations. Can I add some stuff that I see on Wikipedia? About him? Yeah, please do. So I was trying to look up this other question that I had. The brothel? So I it says here he got married three times. But he was just divorced twice? Yeah, so I guess just divorced twice, married three times. No, this, yeah, this source says he was just married twice. Yeah, I'm sure, and this, I'm looking at, um, like I said, Wikipedia as well. And it also said uh, some other, there aren't city records for that $1,000 thing, but that the story persists. So, I mean, it could be true. I, You know, it's so back in time. Got it. It says, Louisa Ayers, his first wife, was also of mixed race, also born into slavery. And they had a son and a daughter. And their daughter, Mary Church Terrell, was one of the first black American women to earn a college degree. That's so cool. It's like another... I don't know, like, I thought that was so cool because it's like first black millionaire and then his daughter is one of the first black American women during a college degree. And then it says she was a teacher and then a principal and then a civil rights activist. Yeah. And she was a founding member of the NAACP in 1909. Oh, cool. And in 1896, she was the first black woman to be appointed to the school board of a major city, which was Washington, D.C. She could she could have gone in our... Our, uh, Our upcoming Ladies' Night episode? Yeah. Yeah, she could have. <laughs> that's a tease, that's a tease for, the, for the next episode. Yeah, that's coming up soon. It's another round. Ha 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 ha. I thought that was a good joke of uh, Ladies' Night. So his second wife, who you talked about, Anna Wright, they also had a son and a daughter. And there's... See, you should have been more interested in his family. Yeah, I just was... <laughs> it's okay. I'm just... I'm going to throw it in there now. because I find this fascinating. Okay. Their son, Robert Reed Church Jr., became a businessman like his father and took over his father's businesses. And then he got into politics and established in 1916, he established the Lincoln League, which helped register black voters by paying their poll taxes. And he managed to sign up 10,000 new black voters in Memphis. And he also worked with E.H. Crump in his machine, political machine, which we will cover in an episode 
upcoming at some point, but just know that. And then um, he was also an advisor to various Republican presidents in the 20s. So that's his son. Oh, it just says Robert Church married a third time, but it doesn't say to who. But he wasn't divorced. Anna Wright died. She's a mystery woman. So he divorced the f- his, he and his first wife, Louisa, divorced. Anna Wright passed away. And then he married okay. a third time, but it doesn't say to who. Yeah. No, I looked back. I was like, oh, maybe it said second time divorced, but it said second time married, that he had only married twice. Okay. the source that I had. So that's interesting about his kids. Yeah. Hey, also, guess where he's buried? Is it in Elmwood? It is. <laughs> Wait, that's actually another words, Walden. Elmwood. Oh, this is a cool picture of him. He looks extremely distinguished. Yeah. So he had the mustache. Yeah. Here's some more. Okay. His wife, Louisa, first wife. Uh-huh. who he came to Memphis with. She also owned her own businesses. She owned beauty parlors. How cool. Yeah. Does it say any that we would be familiar with? No, it doesn't say any names. Uh, nothing in particular. But it. But I do see that the beauty shops were actually for, quote, elite white women. So owned beauty shops, but at least one of them was this one for elite white women. And it was at 56 Court Street. And that business apparently, like, bankrolled the family in the first, like, few years. So he, I guess, wasn't successful yet. It bankrolled the family, like, supported the whole family, her her hair salon. Yeah. <laughs> that auditorium you were telling me about? Uh-huh. That he built on Beale Street? Yeah. One time in 1902, President Theodore Roosevelt spoke there. Yes. And I... there were 10,000 people inside and outside there to listen. Yeah. I did read that. That's cool. I guess that's because Church was so involved in politics, I guess. Yeah, he's a big Republican. Oh, man. Yeah, speaking of philanthropy, like he did a bunch of stuff, but then he also helped keep Beale Street Baptist Church from being taken over by people that, I guess, like creditors. So 1908, he saved that church. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Man, this guy. Yeah, he did a lot. Um, I just kind of gave the highlights of, like, what I thought was yeah. really cool. But, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like that's why I gave the book references because there really is a lot. and Yeah, so much. Yeah, more than I could explain. And I think, I mean, that's what's cool about it to me. I feel like these are good homework assignments, especially for this month. But this is what it's like. Like, here's something get interested, dive into it more. And I think with Black history in particular, I mean, that's why I think we have, one of the reasons we have a whole month for it is because one thing I saw when we were doing Memphis Type History Book is just how there are so much of just two worlds running parallel. Mm. And so often the white and the black worlds did not cross over. And so the white history, which everyone takes as the default, is very easy to see. Mm -hmm. It's the... I think the black history, we still have to go looking for it because it's not considered default. Whereas in this, I mean, this case and so many others, this is just an example of how, yeah, you're right. Like Memphis wouldn't be what it is without Robert Church. It wouldn't. Might not even exist. <laughs> yeah. It will. Like I said, it wouldn't, it may, it wouldn't be a city. Like he was the first guy who helped Memphis stay a city instead of just becoming a county. And I love that he loved Memphis so much, even though he did get shot, you know, like, and and abused. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, and he stuck through the yellow fever. When yellow fever came through, he saw Memphis as an opportunity. He didn't see it as a place to, to flee from, even though he had money. It was like, yeah, you know, this is, it'll be smart for me to, to buy up this property. And then he did good with it. He, he turned it into something. Yeah. And it, it all became well worth it. Yeah. So I, I think we definitely we definitely should not 
dismiss him. Like he's a huge figure in Memphis history that we should probably learn more about. So there's a piece of Black history for uh, Black History Month. You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. We like your type. You've been listening to Memphis Type History, the podcast. It would mean so much to us if you head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. Be sure to subscribe and never miss an episode. Want to be part of Memphis Type History and get behind the scenes content, merch, and more? Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Memphis Type History. Find more Memphis Type History on our blog at memphistypehistory.com, on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as Memphis Type History, and on Twitter at Memphis Type. For all you listeners out there, I just want to send out a quick shout out to our supporters on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. You've probably heard us mention it at the end of every episode because we cannot survive uh, after a certain amount of time uh, unless you help support us. Uh, because when the run- money runs out, that means we're going to have to stop. And the truth is, is we don't we don't want to um, necessarily stop because there's so much information in Memphis to cover. And you can be one of those supporters for just one dollar a month. That's all it takes. It's, it's as little as that one dollar a month. Uh, And if we get enough of you to do that, we can cover all our expenses. If you feel really generous, you can donate more than that. You can donate up to a thousand a month if you really want to. Five dollars, ten dollars. Go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Memphis Type History. Check out the goodies that you can get for being a supporter. And like I said, with just a dollar, you get something. Moral of the story. Support us. Go to patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Memphis Type History. Look at the stash of goodies we have to offer. Decide which one you want most to make your heart the most happy. And just know that your hearts happy make our hearts happy. Thank you.